Well, hello, and welcome to the Wednesday Word. It's summertime, living is easy, and we're changing our format for the summer, and we're going to be doing a summer stories series. We know that there are so many people in the church with great stories, um, and I love hearing them, and I, I believe that you will too. And so uh, you get a chance. Uh, we're kicking it off this week. We'll be doing it through the summer. So if you would like to share your summer story, um, you know, let us know because we would love to hear. Uh, today we have our first guest on the Summer Stories series, also our newest member of our staff here at Desert Spring Church, and that is Ray Lathrop. Ray, um, introduce yourself and your official title and, you know, how you got here today. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so my name is Ray, and right now I'm calling myself the director of the Community Resource Center. <clears throat> I'm working part-time on thinking about ways that we can expand the services beyond the food pantry and food distribution that we've been hosting for almost two years now. A lot of that is just paperwork and going to the bank and setting up some structure. Um, but I'm also having a great time meeting with community partners, like people at the school across the street, the community center at the across the street, trying to understand what our neighborhood may need, what other resources and services and programs we can offer to help people in need around us. So you're kind of gathering stories as well. You could say that, yeah. Story gatherer. And um, I'm Julie Hart, Director of Connectional Ministries here at Desert Spring. Um, so we're glad that you are here. Again, like I said, we're going a little bit off script um, and just getting a chance to get to know people. And so I, myself, on the opportunities that I get to host, I, a friend introduced me to the book, The Six Word Memoirs, and so I kind of love that. And um, it's just, you know, your story in six words. I thought it'd be a fun jumping off place. When we did this, my friend wrote one for me, and she says, a little extra production with props, which is kind of on brand for me. So it can be silly, it can be serious, but, but what would be a six-word memoir for Ray Lathrop? I got a little help. I did ask um, for some ideas what I'm thinking about as a summary, I want it to be actionable, less than like just a list of six words. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go with planning, because that's all I do, <laughs> and helping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There we go, three. Everyone. Mm -hmm. She's looking at her fingers right now. There's two more left. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we're gonna work on it. We're gonna circle yeah. back to six words. Okay. But insert, maybe when we listen to your story, you we'll, we'll be able to help you write yours. Okay. So. Well, st let's start with tell us a little bit about you as a child, Ray. Let's go. We're gonna go back a minute. Um, I have a twin sister, and so a lot of times I don't have a singular pronoun when I think about my childhood. It's a plural pronoun mm. of we. I did a lot of things with my sister. We moved around a lot. We were in a lot of classes together. And so um, it was, I think, a unique experience to grow up with someone so close. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're really close to um, our cousins and our family in general. And so a lot of my childhood was spending time with grandparents and cousins. And every summer, we would always just get shipped off and um circle around to different aunt's house and 
just have a lot of fun as kids. Um, I was always a straight A student, mm-hmm. wanted to be perfect at everything. Very stressful. Mm-hmm. Very stressful childhood. Not surprised over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you still are perfect, right? You got to, yeah. I mean, very high achieving. So talking about your childhood, you probably should talk about your parents. My parents are active members of the church. Um, you might know them as Bob and Beth. Um, they're kind of everywhere in depending on how long you've been here at the church. Uh, right now they're part of the, they're coordinating the Family Promise program and they've got, we've been part of the Emmaus community for years. So there's a lot of ways in which people have run into my parents as well. And so growing up, service was just a part of life. I, mean, I assume that they were always this way. Yeah, always. Um, we all, um, my siblings went through scouts. It was an expectation to just be a part of youth group. And service became absolutely synonymous with my extracurriculars. It was always something we were doing outside of school. And when I was... I think we were freshmen in high school. We went to the national, like, United Methodist Church Youth Gathering. Mm-hmm. Cool. And just spent some time thinking about what kind of future I wanted and where it was going to be. And I have this very specific memory that that conference is what kind of led me into um, my college career, uh, working in nonprofit and government, um, really understanding that public service can actually be something you can do with your whole self. That is, that is so cool. And it's so cool to think that that impact, um, you know, as a teenager, mm-hmm. as a youth, that that was so impactful that, that um, yeah. this is driven what you're doing here today. So... Yeah, very, very full circle for me to work for the church right now, which is not something I would do. But after working for a couple years in the nonprofit sector, a couple years in the government sector, um, I decided to resign with everyone else this last year. Mm-hmm. And working right now on what could be at the Resource Center is a fun way to apply a lot of things that I've learned in the last 10 years. Yeah, so so Ray just said she's a part of the great resignation that, yes. that the post-COVID, um, right? That was one of the things that came out of COVID. Yeah. And I know that, um, well, we're very excited to have you bring a lot and you, you have such great experience here within the community. So maybe can you share a little bit about your um, well, we skipped college altogether and that and, you know, your work experience here. Sure. Um, I went to college in Boston at Boston University and got my BA and MA at the same time in environmental policy and environmental science. And then my parents moved to Las Vegas while I was away at school. And it was a recession when I graduated, no place to go, no jobs. So I moved home with them. But it was here, which is not a place I had lived before. Uh And um, within a year started working at a nonprofit doing volunteer management and working on environmental policy, environmental education programs. And after four years of that, I worked at the Regional Transportation Commission, which is both the public transit agency and also the Metropolitan Planning Organization. So I worked with 
in that department, all of our local governments. At the same time, in my personal life, I developed um, just a, a real calling to kind of build community around me. So I started um, the Young Nonprofit Professionals Network, which is a chapter here that still exists. It was just a, a networking space for young people in the nonprofit sector so we could learn from each other and collaborate, go back to work and say, oh, shouldn't we work with this group? I know them. And mm -hmm. um, that was really fun to do. And I met some of my best friends through that work who are still people I call every week now. And I lived downtown and got really active in the downtown community, which is a very gritty place. <laughs> I love that you live downtown. Yeah, tell us about that. Um, the people in my neighborhood, I live in the Jonas Park Historic District. Lots of people are there for decades. They have all figured out how to put up with the way that downtown has changed several times. But also, um, there's some really strong ties to taking care of each other. And in a place that has always had this very weird spotlight on it, um, we have built a community that is very authentic, I like to think. Mm -hmm. um, and then several years ago, we started advocating together, building a community of the neighborhood associations and being a lot more vocal about local policy that affects our homes. So you'll see me at the city council meeting this week advocating for a very appropriate um, restriction on short-term rental permits because yeah. we have lost a lot of our permanent housing supply to short-term rentals, which um, isn't a surprise. Downtown's a fun place to come and visit, um, but no longer available for our restaurant staff and our service employees to live. Yeah. Um, so we've gotten really active in the community and the city um, policies. So we're actually hosting a meeting soon about reopening the park that's been closed for years. So my career and my personal life have all kind of like coalesced into one mesh of service and advocacy mm -hmm. and thinking about how all of these things interact with each other. I love that. And I was I attended the Nevadans for the Common Good meeting where your mom was quite, you know, impressive with uh, oh, yeah. she was a rock star there um, and learned about that that very issue, not specific to downtown, but to mm -hmm. Las Vegas. So that's yeah. what I love. And that must just be part of your family fiber is, yeah. you know, it's a lot of us can talk about, oh, man, you know, this isn't right or that. But you, you just start doing something about it. So yeah. you got to show up to meetings. You got to be part of that process. I think working in the public sector has really helped me understand where citizens are able to flex. And to me, that is something that um, feels really good to be a part of those decision making processes, to be engaged in the place that I live. You know, living without a homeowners association, we kind of have to stick up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do care when the park opens, what it looks like. I do care if our housing supply is being turned into hotels. I do care about our unhoused neighbors that need so much help. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we can be part of 
both the charity of that of that issue and we can also be part of the justice of that issue and making sure that our system and our government you know does the thing it's supposed to do mm -hmm. and and it's great because having worked inside the government you you do kind of understand what they are supposed to do you have a good understanding of that yeah. so it's yeah. cool to see how you're uh, just being raised in your family and then your experiences your education and your work experience and your all of that has it has come together for mm -hmm. great action tell us about your siblings and what it is that they we know you have more than a twin sister so yeah i have a twin sister she lives in minneapolis with her wife and my brother who's younger than us lives in denver they are some of the funniest people i know <laughs> straight up our uh, sibling group chat makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> um, they are kind of actually in the same in the same kind of role. The my brother works for a bike, well, actually like a machine belt company that, and he's in the bicycle division of these like super fancy bikes that have belt drives instead of chains. And don't ask me about what that means. I have no idea. And then my sister works Chris for... Chris seems to know. He's nodding his head. He knows what that means. This sounds really cool. <laughs> a lot of e-bikes have them. Cool. I bought one. I think I'm cool, but I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I want one just to be cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. And then my sister works for a company that manufactures and teaches people how to roast coffee and builds coffee roasters. So they're kind of in this weird machine space and they sell things and tell people how to use them and mm -hmm. they're both very passionate about their industries coffee and bikes and um yeah i admire them for getting involved in a career path that is fulfilling and they're passionate about it but it's not all consuming like when i have to go to i decide to go to <laughs> public comments and you know public meetings at all hours of the day and mm -hmm. get obsessed about, you know, making the world better for everybody. And mm -hmm. they get to sometimes just like go home at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So you're the one that's yeah, carrying the, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's very cool. Would you say you're more like your mother or your father? Cause they're very, two very different people and very cool in their own ways. Yeah. So yeah, my dad is pretty, I think I'm more similar to my dad um somewhat reserved pretty witty funny but you know not the first person you meet in an event my mom is someone who i literally invite to things to be my wingman because mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. is the most social mm -hmm. and wonderful just person to be around talk to make you feel great i mean she's the best yeah so it's funny, people, my friends think it's weird, but a lot of times I will invite my parents as like my plus one for mm -hmm. things because mm -hmm. they are um, very easy to socialize yeah. with. Very true, yeah. very true. My partner is a, a big social butterfly too and that's helpful for me because I'm shy and I don't really like to meet new people. But you're meeting so many right now. I so. know, <laughs> it is what I have signed up for. That's awesome, Yeah, that's awesome. So then who has in your in your life has um, impacted you spiritually, would you say? It's kind of hard to pinpoint one person. I've been a part of United Methodist Church for my whole life and been a part of like an active church member throughout most of that time. 
um, I don't know if you know this, but I sit on the board of ordained ministry. I do know that. I've done all sorts of things in the church. Um, And so there are some individual like church leaders that I've had a like a relationship with mm-hmm. um, someone that I go to right now all the time anytime I need help or thoughts or advice is actually Pastor Sandy Johnson mm-hmm. who was yeah. a good friend of ours when she lived in Las Vegas and when she became ordained she got appointed down in Arizona mm-hmm. and uh, I text her often about questions I have she's pretty cool yeah she's pretty cool yes yeah so talk about boom the board of ordained ministry and what work you do there yeah, so the Board of Ordained Ministry is a committee in the United Methodist Church. It's conference-wide, and it's like almost 20 members, and there's only like a handful of lay members. And we interview and determine um, fit for ordination. Mm-hmm. And so... It's a very, ordination is a really long process. Yes, it is. Which I can appreciate how strict it is and how there's all these things and hoops and hurdles because I think that that is, uh, being a pastor is probably one of the most important jobs. And so we need to make sure that it's appropriate um, for people that have a calling to it. So we interview people um, once around their call and the and their readiness to learn and grow into a pastor and then two years later after they've done a lot of other things we interview them and make sure that they can be effective at leading a church Mm -hmm. and I also on that committee manage all of the grants and scholarships from the committee so uh, if anyone is pursuing ordination we have scholarships for MDiv or Theological Seminary. We also have some funds available for clergy across the conference if they experience any emergencies or medical needs. And so I have a unique seat to be Mm -hmm. connected beyond just the Las Vegas United Methodist Churches well into the conference. Um, And I can say there are a lot of very wonderful people that Mm -hmm. make up the United Methodist Church. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. How how did you get to be a part of that board? Was that something you wanted to be a part of, or you answered your phone and you didn't, didn't have caller ID? What happened? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I had, you know, I have known a lot of pastors. I think Emmaus is really one of the ways in which you connect across the district and mm-hmm. get to know pastors in different churches. But I was living downtown. I wasn't driving all the way out to Desert Spring every Sunday. I was going to Griffith sometimes before mm-hmm. I closed. I was going to university sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was coming out here sometimes. And I got to work with the United Methodist Social Ministry mm-hmm. that was based at university and um, had several conversations with Pastor Anthony Tang over there. And when he left university, he started working for the conference. Yep. And right at the time where I changed jobs and I started working for the government and got like an insane amount of vacation (laughs) pastor Anthony Tang called me and was like what do you think about being on this super powerful board and it means a lot of travel because I have to go down to Phoenix several times a year Mm -hmm. for these interviews 
And I was like, well, dang, I just got this job and I get five weeks of vacation, so I can't really say no. Like, I just mm-hmm. really felt like it was like, oh, God thing, timing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said yes. And it's been um, really fun, although it is a lot of work. Every time someone comes in for an interview, you have to read like 30 different theological papers from mm-hmm. one of the candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we interview them based on those papers. And so it's, I mean, it's a very stressful experience for people going through it. I mm-hmm. totally understand. But it's not like a cakewalk for the committee mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that is really cool. That yeah. is, that's important work that you're doing. So, and th- this um, annual conference that only one person was ordained, am I right about that? Yeah, I think only one person ordained and then several were commissioned, which means yeah. they were in the first phase. Mm-hmm. So, And there's a couple of people that have gone through the commissioning process, so they're provisional candidates. They're just not ready yet to be ordained. So hopefully and we'll make up for yes. Yeah, so it's important. What you're doing is important because we got, you know. We need a future church, yep. right? And what I really love about our annual conference is our deep commitment to inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And so we have ordained um, people from all backgrounds, all ways of life, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of people coming as a second career, Mm -hmm. some younger people. um, And it just makes me feel really good that our diversity within the annual conference is also continually reflected in our clergy too. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for the work that, that you do. It's, I think it's a calling that most people run from before they actually get to the point where they're sitting there talking to you. Is that, is that fair enough to say? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so too. So that's, that's, that's very cool to be a part of that. So, well, who has um, been an influence on you vocationally? Cause you've, you've made some interesting changes in your vocation. Um, just last night, I was on the phone with the woman who hired me for my first nonprofit job mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she is someone that I haven't seen, obviously, in like three years. We haven't seen anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has since moved on from that nonprofit that we worked at together. Um, but I called her, and we were catching up about personal things and just how work was going. And I said, I can't believe that I find myself in a situation where I'm doing all of the banking and administration <laughs> for a new nonprofit. And it feels like, thank goodness I worked with you 10 years ago oh. and watched all of this stuff happen in front of me. So when I started working with her, she was the only staff and I came on as a second staff member of a nonprofit that had maybe an operating budget of a hundred or $200,000. and. We did every single thing at the organization. We never had an IT department. We never had (laughs) a copy machine. We never had anything. And she had to figure it all out. And I watched her figure it all out and helped her figure it all out. And we wrote all of the manuals together. And every year we did an operational budget and all of these different things. And I'm so grateful for that time. And I probably worked with her for a year, maybe more, before we hired anybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, I just know I'll never have that experience again, working so closely with someone and and both kind of trying to figure it out all at the same time and 
And that's something that I deeply appreciate. So even just literally called her yesterday to say, can you believe what I am doing? That is awesome to see how those experiences come into play now. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Who are the other big influences in your life? Podcasters or people (laughs) or books or who's influencing you right now? Um, I have um, been with my partner, David, for the last 10 years. Um, He is someone that continually challenges me to enjoy the day um he's way more spontaneous and fun and social than i am (laughs) um a lot of people know who he is he used to be on the radio and he's an attorney so he's one of the smartest people i know and helps me really think through challenges that i have at work sometimes because of his thinking is just different and more systematic he spent his whole career as a criminal defense attorney, mm-hmm. and we have really spent a lot of time thinking together about criminal justice and um, justice in general and caring for others and incarceration and, you know, some of the systems that we've set up as a society that probably are not suiting us anymore. They're not helping us, as you may be familiar yes, with. I am. Different... Yeah you know for sure systems and programs that should evolve can evolve um so that's he's just you know my ride or die now (laughs) so your date nights are like pretty serious they're intense (laughs) so true um and yeah my siblings are people you know I, I talk to them every single week we know everything about each other and what we struggle with and we support each other. And so, um, you know, my family is is really the most important thing that I have. Mm-hmm. And in those years that you've lived and you know, that experience that you've had, where can you look back now and see God was at work that maybe it wasn't evident at the time, but you can look back now and say, oh, man. I think college was really an interesting space for me. I lived with 25 other women in a co-op. Ah! It was a lot. That's a lot. It really taught me more about collaboration and trust and relationships than I think I have ever anticipated. And it was really hard. I I did not have a very positive experience for a phase of that. Um, And it really, like when I left school, I was like traumatized. But now, you know, I can look back on the things that I did learn and the way I became a leader mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I think that being in such a different environment and really being around people so different than myself um, was absolutely um, a challenge that I needed and something that, God has used as an experience ever since. Like, oh, no, I know that I've done this before. I know that I've been able to connect with people before. I know that I've been able to figure out how to get out of a tough spot. And um, I think that that I'm just, like, really grateful that Mm -hmm. I had that opportunity because I was the only co-op on campus. It's not like everyone got to live there, you know. It wasn't an option for everyone. So I think it was a significant, I mean, I saved a bunch of money living there. 
And um, I was just, I think every piece of that was a God thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle. And it was a struggle. I mean, super fun, you know, Mm -hmm. some weekends and then not others. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, just to be surrounded by just a really close group of women all the time. Every single one of them had such an interesting story about how they got there too. So it's really nice. What other struggles do you think that you've gone through that you can look back now and that that serve you well now that you've got made them through that? Well, I'm going to need time to reflect on the reasons why I joined the Great Resignation, so I'm not really there yet. Uh I was hoping you were going to talk about that. (laughs) There's there's a lot that went into that decision making over the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need to chew on it. You're still processing Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think I was really fortunate when I was growing up. Um, my, I don't know at the time we would have categorized this as such, but we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that that has served my family really well, mm-hmm. even though it's traumatic sometimes. Sometimes it wasn't by choice. Sometimes, it, you know, mm-hmm. it was jobs always and from my parents. But having experienced changing schools often, Um, having to make new friends. Um, I don't know what it's like to, you know, be friends with people you went to kindergarten with, Mm -hmm. but I don't really think that that's a, I'm lacking that, you know, I have this resiliency and I see it in my sister too. And my brother, this fearlessness to start over, Mm -hmm. um, something that we kind of learned through growing up and moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just, dive in wherever yeah. we are. And I think that that's a really important experience um, that has shaped us. Um, and, you know, when I I look for that characteristic in other people too, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, like, I like finding other people that have, you know, had to reinvent themselves and, you know, figure it out because you get to decide what you want to bring and what you want to leave behind. Yeah. I know. I think that's so awesome. Yeah. I tell that when kids are graduating from high school. Like, you get to go off and now everything – you don't have to bring this with you. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave that. Yeah. Yeah. Or take it if it serves you well. Right. Yeah. Right. And and having the time and opportunity to reflect on those pieces, like what you want to keep and what you, want to, you don't, um, I think is important personal work. So how would you describe yourself today? Well – there's a part of me that feels really driven, like I'm doing a lot of things and tr- really still trying to make the world better for everybody around me. Yeah. But I am also feel a little bit lost, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because I'm starting over again, and it's only been a couple of two months that I've left like full-time work, and I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. So um, we're going on vacation soon, and then I'll come back and see what it feels like again. Mm-hmm. And what do you do to do that work? I mean, do you journal? Do you spend time, you know, do, or looking back and reflecting? Or how is it that you work through that process? Because it is. I know when I left my job, I also left the yeah. government job to come work for a church, and it's a completely different environment and so it does it does sort of take some reorientation time to things are different in a church than they are Mm -hmm. in the in the government so Mm -hmm. how do you what's your process or or do you have one yet are you still looking for that to 
I'm looking for it. Okay. I've, I'm trying on a couple different things. Mm-hmm. I've tried to pick up a, you know, meditation habit that hasn't stuck, and I'm trying to. <laughs> Tell me if it does. I keep trying. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, sometimes I journal when I need to just get something out of my head if I'm stuck on a loop, but a lot of times, and what I do now more than anything is call my best friends and talk it out. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I wouldn't be anything without some of those close friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you made a brave and bold decision. I mean, it was, it was pretty big leaving that and coming to this. And, and I think um, it's, I, it's great for us. We're excited to have you. And, and I know that, you know, your heart is in the work that you're doing and that's, when your heart, I always tell my kids, I'm like, either do something that you love and that means something to you, or do something that you can make enough money that you can then go do the yeah. things that love and matter to you. Because, you know, so you've chosen to do something that you love. <laughs> so at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm not in it for the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, I admire that. So what? So what's next for you? Maybe that question is too soon. I am saying yes to to joining things all the time so that I can try on new things. So I'm on the board for the Nevada Housing Coalition, which is working on housing policy. I'm volunteering with Nevadans for the Common Good a lot and helping them connect on their housing strategy. I'm helping a friend and some other, you know, previous colleagues on um, looking at financing social projects here in town. Um, Any one of those things could evolve into real work or they could just make me a full-time volunteer forever. (laughs) And the money part will be figured out at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But you're just doing things that matter. I'm doing things that matter, yeah. For a long time, I was worried about um, working in wearing too many hats, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. now, for the very first time, I get to just be Ray and um, say what's on my mind and put my time and my gifts and talents towards anything that I want to say yes to. Mm -hmm. And that's a it's a wonderful privilege and opportunity. And for listeners who don't know, we never had a community resource center or a food pantry or food distribution prior to COVID. Never really thought that we would here. It's sitting in Summerlin. It yeah. was never on the radar, never yeah. in the plans. In the pandemic, we started the food distribution based off of our different kind of Christmas donation, which I've been a part of for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Not surprising at this point. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we've got hundreds of people coming in for food every single week. So the next question is, what else do they need and how else can we be a resource um, for them? So that's the question we're asking right now. We're trying to connect with partners to figure out what other things are nearby. So, you know, not surprisingly, nothing's really nearby, but we know that the fallout from the pandemic and you know, we saw during the Great Recession how much this area was impacted. Um, and it's really important that we um, don't assume uh, the needs of our community um, based on, you know, our perceptions of wealth. And I think 
um, when we've told p- community partners that we're like running this resource center at 891044, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's like, why would you do that? You know, but even Three Square has said, that's great because there is nothing over here. Mm-hmm. And um, we know that there's need. Um, half of the kids at Palo Verde High School are Title I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not an other problem, you know? That's an our problem and challenge that I think we have to step up with. And we should figure out how we can help those students and the families that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. And yeah. recognize that there are people in our own congregation that need help, too. And this is a very generous church. Wow. Incredibly generous church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about asking those questions mm-hmm. in with this congregation because yeah. I think we'll step up in some very, very cool ways. You said something cool earlier today talking about when we were just talking about how really it's, you know, we're serving the community, but it's also, it's, you, you said it, how did you say it? Because it was so great about how it's actually those in the church who are doing the service who are. Yeah, we I think that there's I think there's two ways to look at the resource center. I think that we are serving families and neighbors in need. And I think we are also connecting in with the congregation to give them opportunities to serve as well. So I see two different kind of audiences for the resource center. Mm -hmm. Those that really are at the end of kind of the service and the program delivery And then also the congregation that makes this happen. Mm -hmm. So it's through the volunteers that we have on Saturday distribution and the volunteer roles that we might develop in the future, depending on how we expand to different programs. And everybody who's already donated to the resource center through the different kind of Christmas and well into the future. So we want to I want the resource center to serve the church and fill a need inside everybody as far as how to connect their faith and their um, spiritual walk to also help others. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's important. I Yeah, I love that. Ray, we're so, um, thank you for being our guest um, today. I think she's going to be a future host of the podcast, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's great for people to get to, to know part of your story. Um, you just come from a phenomenal family that, that we love and, and the work that you do. And I'm excited to see, I'm thankful for the great resignation. And I, you know, that's something to pray for is this time is, is finding, um, you have, when you have as much talent and, and knowledge and uh, that you have you could put that into a lot of different places. So praying that you find the place that's going to be um, not just serve the people of the community, but also to, you know, meet that in within you that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you'll have. So, okay. I want to do a plug. Yeah, we do that for yeah. people that are listening church members. We have plenty of opportunities to get involved in the resource center. There's always more volunteer needs at the pantry and on the food distribution days, but mostly the pantry. And, we have gotten our own 501c3, which means we are our own separate nonprofit entity, and we need board members. So if anyone's interested in applying their gifts to our board, um, let us know. Let Julie know, because we, we need a lot more people at the table helping us 
um, do this right. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that plug because I think that's true. Serving on the board, people just bring different experience and yeah. expertise, and and it's great. And to you that together. don't have to know anything about anything if you're interested in supporting the growth and expansion of the resource center. You can be on the board. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And um, okay, six word memoir. She's trying to. She's. I'm very she's... bad at this. What's your? What do? You, what do you think? Well, where are you going? I just think that. Um, Follows her heart, meeting the needs. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here, Ray. Thank you, Chris. Um, I, uh, If you have any comments, wherever you're listening, we would love to hear them. If you'd like to be a guest or you'd like to nominate someone for a guest that's whose story that um, you would like to hear, I think that would be wonderful. We'd love to hear from you. And um, I'm going to close this in prayer. Gracious, loving God, we thank you for Ray and for the important work that she has done and that she continues to do, and um, for not just all that you put on her heart, but um, the action that she um, is called to and, and all the work that she does. We thank you for the blessing of um, a generous church that um, is able to support the important work that, that we're called to do. Um, in service and for justice and we just pray that you will continue to guide Ray and guide all of us um, and uh, help us to um, honor you and be the light in the community um, where people need to to feel and know your love in Jesus name we pray amen